straight ahead with the 606 Club from Midnight Wednesday.
So how was your bank holiday weekend? <laughs> True to form, of course, the weather was slightly grey, wasn't too wonderful, was it? But if you want some music to warm you up, you are in the right place. You're with me, David, now. Jazz in conversation with the 606 Club for the next couple of hours. I'm sure you recognised Imagination's Body Talk was the track that we just opened up the show with, and the reason for that being is that Imagination's Lee John is our guest on the show this week. We've got plenty of tracks to play from Lee, and indeed we're going to be taking a look at the album that he released a couple of years ago called Feel My Soul, a real good jazz album. So plenty more Lee to come if you want to stick around with me. But right now we are going to go to a track from a brand new album from one of the UK's rising stars. Beverly Byrne has just released a brand new album called Dream Dancer. It's a lovely, lovely listen. Uh, she's got a, a real striking kind of luscious alto voice that uh, plays with you and teases you. It's just wonderful, wonderful listen all the way through. And from that album, I've picked out the standard Let's Face the Music and Dance. There may be trouble ahead But while there's moonlight and music and love and romance Let's face the music and dance Before the fiddlers have fled Before they ask us to pay the bill And while we still have a chance Let's face the music and dance the moon humming a different tune and then there may be teardrops to shed so while there's moonlight and music and love and romance let's face the music and
more from Beverly's great album over the next few weeks. This coming Sunday, we couldn't be happier than to say that uh, Claire Martin has decided to have her birthday gig down with us in Chelsea. On stage, along with Claire, is going to be on bass Steve Watts and on drums Matt Home. It's going to be a great gig. Claire always really delivers a punch when she's on stage with us down at the club. And I'm going back a couple of years now to her album Believe In It and we're playing Rainy Night in Tokyo. Seventh of September Remember when We met at the shrine Your kimono looked so fine Temple dancers Swaying flutes playing Then I was yours and you Paul Desmond on the stereo We sipped the sake very slow Kissing in the candle glow That rainy night in Tokyo Tokyo So hungry on the bullet train Lugging our luggage through the station Finding a taxi in the pouring rain We must have made quite a sight In love on a rainy for a little celebration Safe from stormy weather Together Stayed inside our room Just admiring the typhoon Heard the cats arrive at nearly five But we were still making love in tune Paul Desmond on the stereo We sipped the sake very slow Kissing in the candle glow That rainy night in Tokyo 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 
And whenever I've spoken to Claire, she's always been such great company. And I know you're going to have a great time down at the club this coming Sunday on Claire's birthday gig. So later on today, on Thursday, we've got the Ogs featuring Paul Booth. Got some Paul coming up a little bit later on, actually, and Paul Stacey. Then on Friday, we've got the Mo Pleasure Band. Saturday, somebody else I had the pleasure of talking to, Georgina Jackson, a great singer and trumpeter. And then, as you know, Claire is down at the club on Sunday. Go over to the website, 606club.co.uk, and you'll get all of the gig and booking details there. Let's play something else from imagination now, shall we, in the heat of the night. i 
be hearing from Lee very, very soon. So stick around, don't go anywhere. It's such a fun interview. We sat down last week and we were on the phone for, for what well, seemed like forever, but well over now. I've had to edit down a little bit for the show, but uh, you've got some great entertainment coming up that I can promise you. So just before this show went out this week, uh, the day before, we had the David Gordon trio down at the club with us. And I love David's music so much that I thought we'd include a track from him on the show this week. And I've got Angel Feet looked out for you to listen to right now.
somebody else that's getting ready to release an album is Hannah Horton. Inside Out is the name of her new set, and I'm glad to say that she's going to have an album launch with us down at the club on the 22nd of September. I'm hoping to sit down with Hannah prior to that and get an interview for you. But uh, they've released the first single from the album, and uh, on the album, along with Hannah, who obviously plays the baritone and tennis axes, you've got John Crawford on piano, Rob Statham is on electric bass, and Nick France on drums. I say they've uh, released the lead single from it, which is this, Keep Walking.
that lead single from Hannah's album, Inside Out is the name of the album. We just listened to Keep Walking. That's released this coming Friday on General Release, so you can get yourselves a copy of it in just a couple of days' time. But uh, it's time for Lee now, so buckle yourselves down, say we had an absolute riot. We're going to be playing some tracks from his album Feel My Soul, and the first of those is this, You Never Know. Straight Ahead, Jazz and Conversation. Open up the misery and tell me what you feel now. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Take a bite from the apple, take a bite from the peach. Juices will be flowing. Open up the mystery. Well, started out with just the eyes, but I knew and I could tell. Came across like you're the boss, and I know this game so very well. Kept my cards close to my chest, and you kept up your guard. Funny how the tables turn, and every day you can learn so. You never know, you never know, do you really ever know? You never know, you never know, do you, do you really ever know? You never know, you never know. Settle back and we have a laugh Glass of wine, the vibe is high And guess what's on my mind, yeah Play it cool, stick to the rules And we'll get on just fine Face to face, we can't erase This funny, funny feeling inside So we let each moment count We can work it if we take the time To live for now and the future Don't just patronize We must sympathize If you don't, you, you, you You never know, you never know, you never know Do you really ever know? You never know, you never know Do you, do you really ever know? You never know never know, do you really know? You never know, you never know, do you really know? Take a bite from the apple, bite from the peach. Juices will be flowing. Open up, open up the mystery. Take a bite from the apple, take a bite from the peach. Juices will be flowing. Open up. So we let each moment count. We can work it if we take the time to live the now and the future. And don't just patronize. We must sympathize. If you don't, you, 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 you never know. You never know. You never know. Do you really ever know? You never know. Never know. Do you, do you really ever know? You never know, you never know. Do you really know? You never know, you never know. Do you really know? Take a bite from the apple. Take a bite from never the peach. Know, never know. Juices will be flowing. Open up and have a mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So this week on the show, we have got the one and only Lee John Lee. How are you? I am fab super googleistical, as I always say. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's better than saying I'm fantastomagorical. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to take a run at that word. That's yours. Over. <laughs> I know you've been really, really busy recently, haven't you? But we'll sort of come round to the more recent times in a little bit. Now, I've obviously followed you for many, many years. But are you I, the I am the stalker. I'm the one you're trying to block on every social platform. That's me, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sass I hadn't tried to get through to you wouldn't believe. Um, the social media assassin. <laughs> yeah, it's my middle name. Um, yeah, educated over in New York. Did not know that about you. Some of my life, yes. Not all of my life. I was born in Hackney. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm East Lender, East Lender, but North, East, North London, really. And then um, uh, my parents split and uh, I got taken to America. Mm-hmm. And um, I was there for a while. I actually signed to a record label at a very young age, Worldwide Records over there. Um, nothing happened, but it was a very interesting experience for a very uh, adolescent. So you're uh, sort of 12, 13, 14, that kind of age. Wasn't I you? was, I think it was more 11, 12, about 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was the Michael Jackson period. And they were signing loads and loads and loads of uh, young artists. Um, and then I came back here, uh, 14, 14 like that. And then at 15, 16, mm-hmm. I got signed as a duo to EMI. Right. So that was, is that with the band Fizz or my jumping head no, there? No, 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 that, that was, was just you. That was Russ and Lee. That was, right. um, uh, one of my best mates, Russell Fraser. He passed away uh, a few years back, but, uh, we were a duo, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, uh, we were signed to Snaz Records, which was uh, a subsidiary of EMI. And it had David Bowie's The Spiders from Mars band on the same label. And basically, David had just left the, the group. And the managers were thinking, do we go with The Spiders from Mars? Or do we go with David Bowie? And they thought, well, he's no good. We'll go with them. <laughs> <laughs> They went with them. And it was, they had this big, I remember they had this huge set built for their stage show and everything. And they had American people behind them. And so we were always complaining, how come the spiders are getting all this attention? And we're not, and we're not yeah. You know, but it was, it was great because it was a, all of my moments in my career have been uh, growing educational experiences that, you know, I mean, we had Gonzalez, the group Gonzalez backing us. Uh, in the studio and Thunder Thighs with the backing vocalist who sang on the movies Walk on the Wild Side. So, you know, it was Rod Stewart's bass player who was playing on all the stuff at the time, was playing in, you know, in the session, in the session. So it was like... That really, the more I talk to artists, that seems to be a real halcyon period where you go into sessions and there'd just be all these great names doing session work on studios. Del Newman was the producer. Del Newman worked with Paul McCartney, Diana Ross. Um, He was very well known and I had no idea who Del Newman was. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and there we were with all these surrounded by these professionals. And I always felt I wasn't as good enough. I just felt I needed to learn more. I needed to be better. I needed to be, you know, da, 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 da. so I was always like a, a Muhammad Ali fighter. I was out there trying to, you know, I was doing demos and demos and demos. A, a lot of the people in the industry knew me prior to imagination. Um, people like Tony Hall, who managed mm-hmm. the thing and who called tracks and then Linda Nagel, he managed and on and on. And Luke Sands, he managed. Um, you know, I knew him way, way back and he was really annoyed when I didn't, uh, signed to his management when, you know, when I wrote Body Saw. And had being uh, in show business and entertainment, had that been in your blood for, since a kid? Did you know that's kind of where you were going to try to end up? I, you, you have to have, I think, willpower. You have to have something in you that, you know, I think you have to escape from things. And I think as kids, we all do, you know, it, whether it's sport, whether it's whatever it may be, mm. there's something you escape through. And I used to escape a lot through the music. I listened to such a variety of styles of music. And, it, you know, and coming from a Caribbean black, black background, you have Calypso, you have Steel Band, you have um, blues, you have jazz, you have, uh, you know, the traditional thing like Nat King Cole and, and you know, Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald in the household, as well as popular music. And when you have all of that, it kind of, it's like an injection, you know, then I discovered my own tastes as well as my parents' tastes. So, mm. you know, from, I was a soul hit. I was a, a reggae hit. I went to both reggae clubs, soul clubs, jazz clubs. I was always into jazz and, um, and Motown. I love Motown. The Motown was a great escape. You know, the, you know, they were the singing happy sad music. songs. Yeah. yeah they were, but the thing is they were, they were singing sad songs, but they were all happy. That's mm. the way they <laughs> You know, baby, I need your love. I need your love. He's saying it, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's sad song. And but the, fantastically done. And it's kind of like the weirdest song, Band of Gold, which everyone's played their wedding. It's actually about splitting up, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it is. Just because it, it is. sounds happy. Yeah, everyone it sounds great. <laughs> now that you're gone, all that's left on the big smile is a band of gold. I think you've done that at a few functions in your early life, judging by that rendition. No, 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 no. no, no. I used to play. I used to play in Brixton at the George Canning Pub, which I'm always proud to mention, with the Sun Valley Serenaders. Mm-hmm. And we used to play. And Matthew, uh, the, the, actually, he passed away recently. He was the main steel band guy. He played steel band, and we had like our own Jackson Five kind of band because I was my teen still. And we had Kenny who played drums, and Trevor played bass, and Stephen played keyboards. So that was like a little young little team, and. Um, you get all the old ladies coming up, they're giving us requests and sneaking in little drinks for us. And, <laughs> drinking. and I'd be singing things like Sideshow by Barry Biggs and Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. And, um, oh God, what else I sing? Oh, Can't Help Falling in Love, you know, things like that. All the, all the covers of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great learning. And then we do the working men clubs and the bingo clubs. And the bingo clubs were the old theaters where you had, 2,000 people in them, I think. That big, big, yeah. yeah. That big, yeah. And, you know, Peckham Bingo Hall, um, Chelsea Bingo Hall. I was doing all those, you know. And it was great because by the time the imagination, you know, broke, I'd already been playing these big venues with loads of people. So I was... I was used to theatres, you know. Stuff like and I think that. this is the thing, I mean, the phrase cutting your teeth is fre- frequently used, but I think a lot of people that maybe haven't been involved with anyone in the business, that that's where kind of the magic, that's where you're learning your trade, isn't it, those early days? I think it's so important for all young artists to have that, that 
situation. Nowadays, it's all very quick, fast. Mm. You look fantastic in a picture. You look great. Um, you know, everything looks produced well and everything like that. But then can I watch you for a whole hour? Mm. You know, especially when they do a lot of the, um, these comp- competitive shows, you know. Um, they're, they're seeing, people don't realize they're being conned. It's like a bingo thing you're looking at. You're actually listening to somebody singing a song for two minutes, 50 maximum. And then you are judging them for their talent on that two minute, you know, two minutes mm. on two minutes maximum. Mm. And that is it. And, 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 you know, like a cattle thing, but you don't develop as an artist, you know, and I, that's why I don't like to use the word celebrity when it comes to real music and real musicians. I could, I class myself as an artist because that's what I've been doing all my life whether it be in fashion, in writing, in creating film work, whatever, mm. you know, I, I believe in the art of what you do. And I can have fun with it. So even visually, if I want to wear something that's bam, that's part of my art. That's part of me. Um, as you see me is as I am. That's my famous word I say. Mm-hmm. I think that's important that to inspire other people, especially youngsters, that yes, you can go out there and do it. Like graft, graft, graft. But too many of them want it quick, quick, quick because they can, you know, uh, take a picture of it on their iPhone. Oh, yeah, upload <laughs> you know, it to Instagram. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some great things. I, I you know, I, I, I love history. I love mm. learning, and 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 I'm listening to other new artists and stuff like that, and 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 um, uh, and I listen to where I feel some of their influences come from. You know, so, uh, on that level. And since recently, I've been doing. The gorillas and, and the lost chord is, is ignited my, my career in a way that, wow, I've, I've got a completely new audience who didn't know anything about me. And all of a sudden they Googled me and they're saying, Oh, you did this song with this, mm-hmm. that, with that, and this, you know, and the most obscure things like my track, the mighty power of love or my jazz album, which I did in France. I'm getting a lot of uh, that feedback because of social media. Um, and, 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 and people are going online because everything comes up. <laughs> you see what you've done. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, obviously you described the change that have gone on in the industry in your time, but would you say you were happy when you, the time that you entered the industry? Do you think that was because of the grounding you got, the breeding you got, the education that you got? If you were Lee John now, being thrown, you know, a good-looking young guy, pictures being taken and sort of, you know, a sound being put out, but you wouldn't have had that backing behind you. Is that perhaps the cornerstone of your longevity, do you think? My cornerstone, I think, is the work. It's about the work you put in. If you put the work in, then you'll get it out. Mm-hmm. Success doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the dazzling and the glamour and the glitz. I think success within you is is what you spiritually feel you get from it. You know, like, for me, the moment is being on stage and mm-hmm. performing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing shows now. Um, and up again, I'm, we're looking at doing a 40th anniversary tour next year. I was going to talk about the, the tour. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and edu- keep educating yourself. And that's what I keep doing to aspire to be better than I am, you know, and actually, look, use your illusion. Use your illusion. <laughs> I had noticed it. I know. And we were taking, just before we started on, on to record, it's great because Lee's sitting uh, somewhere in a studio by looks right behind us, a big uh, poster from one of your gigs going back to a casino somewhere in. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, 2017. Right. Okay. Yeah. Big old post behind it. Was such a great, it was such a great shot. I thought I've got to steal it. So the, you know, the owner said, "Yes, then you can have it." And <laughs> it's like, uh, and I put it out there. But it's, it's, um, 
It's great. It's, you know, I think you need to celebrate some of the things that you've done, you know, and um, at one point, I didn't put any of my gold or platinum discs up or anything. I kept them all away. And then mm. someone said, no, no, you must put them out. It represents what you've done. And so I decided to put them up. But I don't go up there and start dusting it or anything like that. <laughs> what, there's always one in the loom downstairs. So, <laughs> so I give, <laughs> yeah, I give a lot to my... Um, my family, my mom and my grandmother, you know, I gave loads of those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how proud are they going to be of that? You know, that's their yeah, kid. You know, it makes right. it, it's got to be a great feeling. So let's, um, let's jump back 40 nearly years. So the summer of 82 is when it really got big for you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, 1982 was, in actual fact, it, it, it was weird because we were, I remember when we started to promote, say, Body Talk and the albums, mm-hmm. um, well, Body Talk album in particular, because that to me was the breaking point, really. Mm-hmm. Because we went in a Citroen car in France and in Spain and, and, and someplace in Germany and Italy, I remember. And we went to all these radio stations and met all these disc jockeys and stuff. And I didn't have any idea as to what effect would happen. And I was told by one of the main guys in the record company, said, by the time you get back to the main city, like Paris, Rome, um, wherever it may be in Spain, Barcelona, whatever, everybody's going to know who you are. Because we went to the most rural places. We, you know, we played in, I don't know, these clubs. You think, my God, how did anyone find a place like this? But what happened was we created a long-lasting effect. And this audience has stayed with me since, till now. Mm-hmm. And so all of that work, Promoting Body Talk, In and Out of Love, Flashbacks, So Good, So Right, Burning Up. Tell Me My Love was number one in Canada. We went over there to promote it. And, you know, it's a different world, you know. And and it was like leaving everything behind in the UK from North London and going there. And all these records and songs, I thought that was going to be it. And then all of a sudden, we were in New York and we'd gone to um, Paradise Garage. And we did a show there. Uh, with Frankie, not with Frankie Knuckles, um, my goodness gracious, what's his name, the DJ again, because he did a version of Changes, he did a mix, um, uh, uh, it's coming to me, it's coming to me, not Frank um, God, anyone out there, anyone, <laughs> my brain, we'll fill it back in. When you get to 40 plus, you see, this is what happens. Anyway, I'll Larry the Think how I feel at my age. Larry Levan, <laughs> Larry Levan, he, he, he did a mix of changes. Anyway, we did his, show, his, his club and we were going to Canada, I remember, to do some promotion. And in the car towards the airport, we heard um, um, WBLS doing an exclusive, uh, Frankie Crocker was doing an exclusive and everybody better wait. And it's a new imagination record. I thought, what new imagination record? And then next minute I heard that illusion. But the thing is, I had recorded in the heat of the night, title track of the album, and illusion on the same day. And then I really preferred in the heat of the night. I wanted that in. That must be the first single. That's got to be the first single. Because I love my grooves. You know, I love my funk. I love my jazz things. And in the heat of the night, it had that feeling to me. In illusion. I wasn't, we, we cut it up, we did different things, we added new things to it, and um, it was a very creative experience, the illusion, and it just blew up so big, and it just it just knocked me for six, and it was number one in all these different areas around the world, and, uh, you know, it's been on film themes, it's been sampled numerous times, 
Uh, Mariah Carey's done it, Beyonce and uh, Destiny's Child recorded it on their first album. A lot of people don't know. Wycliffe Chan recorded them on it. There's a, there's, a, there's actually, there's a, um, uh, a CD, you know, those, the, the, the single CDs. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's a religion on that. And, um, it was, well, you go, by the time, like you say, the summer of 82, by the time we were, um, promoting our first album in some territories, the second album was being released. It was a different period. So, you know, it wasn't like nowadays you have one album, that's it. Mm-hmm. We were literally still promoting the first album and people wanted us to look the way we looked on top of the pops and this kind of stuff. And we were moving on. Time was changing, you know. Well, I, I, I remember watching you on top of the pop. Well, first of all, it was very much a soundtrack of that summer I seem to remember. You know, any kind of shop. I mean, I'd go thinking shots back to Mr. Byright and <laughs> CNA. Mr. Plays. Byright. Mr. Oh, I had the Black waffle Ford. trousers. Yeah, I had the crepe shoes. And um, I was a Mr. proper soul boy. Right. <laughs> I can't I, no, no, no. I used to go Stanley Adams, man. You know? Or take six when I was at school. Take six. Goodness gracious, Mr. Byright. Mr. Byright. And I remember I, I was brought up around Slough and I remember going to the Mr. Byright in the Queensmere Centre in Slough and, and, and it was playing. You know, Imagination was playing. And and I just remember we were on like as uh, a sportsman time, and there was two of us we were on. And again, it was always that was on the cassettes in in the buses, you know. Yeah. Always, so I clearly remember that being a real year of imagination sound. And clearly, when I first got to hear the sound of imagination, and it, was for you, a, it was a great time. Oh, it must have been. And you know, for you, three young guys to get that kind of you know reward for their work, fantastic it was, times. It was a lot. It was a, it, there was a lot of work. I mean, we had demand everywhere. Mm. Um, it's a bit like now I'm, I'm getting a lot of stuff coming through, which is lovely. It's, 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 it's about the work, but you know, it's, um, it was, we, everybody worked hard. Ashley, Errol, everybody worked really, really hard. The, you know, uh, Tony and Steve in the studio. Um, we had a lot of pressure on us, especially for the second album. Um, it was, it was a lot because, you know, not only did we have hit singles, we were having hit albums simultaneously. So that was, that was, uh, you know, it was a, it's a, it was a new thing for the record company because the record company didn't sell albums. They only sold singles. singles. And we broke. We became the biggest thing on the label. And, um, you know, even to survive that whole 80s decade, you know, it was something else because we saw so many people falling from the wayside. And then we had a number one in 88, 89 with a remix of uh, Instinctual, which we, Arthur Baker produced. And that introduced the world, David Morales, which brought us back into the club scene and club circuit um and i became great friends with david and many djs it's it's weird because there's always been this um i've had this 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 thing no matter what kind of music i evolve with i always have to uh align with the dj you know it's it's like I did um, a dj fantasy mind body and soul you know i had a big uk garage record and you know all the girls love this track you know and i'm thinking bloody hell you know <laughs> what age group I'm a performance, but they loved they loved it. You know, so I've always had this, you know, I, I'd say every decade or every certain couple of years, I always have a track that like you know, like the Mighty Power of Love became a big classic anthem. Um, you know, because power, 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 dun, 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 and move to swing. Um remix that. Uh D Vaz worked with me oh, he's been working with me for years, you know, co-wrote that with me. And um, the Mighty Power of Love has become an anthem so much so that there's certain record companies that are trying to get get the master off me, and you know, but the deals aren't right. So I said, no, 
I just had a, a nerdy question come to mind, and uh, uh, I'll never know the answer to this question unless I ask somebody like you. I think the charts, they used to be announced on a Tuesday or Sunday, even, I can't remember, on Radio 1. Do you get to know beforehand if you're number one, or do you find out on the radio? Um, oh, my goodness. That's a, good, that's a very good question. Oh, I'm insightful, you know. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, it, was, it was, no, I think by Friday, you, you wouldn't exactly know. You get an idea on the Friday. Yeah. It was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, like six o'clock, wasn't it? I think it's when they got to number one. You know, and that was terrifying. You know, it was terrifying. Something's come up on my thing. It was terrifying because you're thinking, oh my God, is it going to go any high? Is it going, you know, oh my God, ah," you know. And it was like, it was like gambling. You think, you know, (laughs) like, oh God, is this going to just roll the dice? What number are we now? I was just grateful that we were in the top 20 at some times, you know, I'm just grateful. Um, there were some songs that didn't go all the way, like Thank You, My Love, got top 20, but they were in the charts longer than a mm. lot of records were at that time. For example, Thank You, My Love came in just before, I think, Halloween or something, all the way through Christmas, all the way up to um, Valentine's Day. It stayed in there. So like eight months in there. And we were basically in the charts of Thank You, My Love all that time. Mm. And um, a lot of the records had dropped. Most of them had dropped because Band-Aid, I think, it came out at that time and took all the money. Mm. It took all the action. Mm. So everyone had come up. But Thank You, My Love still stayed in there. And um, in actual fact, it, 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 it showed on the plays. But it should have gone higher, but it didn't. I could do. When your mood seems gloomy, just dig deep down, and you will remember times when you could weather the rain. Set your mind way back when the groove was fine And zapping and music style Romance and just conquer the scene Ella's vocal soaring Count Basie's piano playing Duke E was got clubbing Then came along called Train Sarah Vaughan knew how to use it Bessie Smith would surely blues it And Billy was a lady Gardenia's eased her pain
I did warn you that uh, with Mr. Lee John, you're going to get some entertainment, kind of guaranteed, isn't it? And we, uh, we've got more of Lee, of course, to come, the second part of the interview very soon indeed. And we just finished off the first part of that interview with another track from the album, Feel My Soul. And that was Jazzmataz. Next to play on the show this week is Paul Booth, who, along with Paul Stacey, is with us at the club this week with a brand new band called The Odds. But we're going to one of Paul's solo projects and we're going to play Seattle Fall. Straight Ahead with David Lewis. Thank you. 
Still to come on the show this week, music from Lauren Bush, Georgina Jackson, another guest with us at the club this week, and the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra as well. But back to our interview we go, and we're going to head off with another track from the album that we've been featuring this week. And uh, the track I've got looked out is Lee singing the standard, Someone to Watch Over Me. There's a somebody I'm longing to see I hope that she turns out to be Someone to watch over me
the thing, I mean, you know, talk, thinking of those days, and of course, thinking back to the whole thriller and off the wall and all of that, the singles used to stay, and there could be multiple singles from one artist on the charts for many, many months at a time, yeah. couldn't there? And as you were just saying body with talk, yourselves. Yeah, Body Talk was on the chart for most of the year, yeah. even though we had In Out of Love. And, 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 you know, I remember we had Music and Lights and Changes, I think, at the same time. I think mm-hmm. we were kind of like, you know, it was, it was that kind of period. The chart meant a lot in those days. I mean, it sure did. And I don't even know nowadays what's in the chart. I no, I, I don't even know if they bothered releasing a chart show. I'm just, I, I don't know. They just don't seem to have the relevance now, do they? Because, of course, with all the streaming platforms being the main area that people consume yeah. music now. Just get on a playlist now. Exactly on- that, yeah. I mean, I didn't realise that until a few years ago that that's now what artists were aspiring to. If you get on the right playlist, that can be massive exposure. Yeah. And Spotify pay your 0.000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just before we move on to what you're currently doing, because I know you're very busy now, um, you mentioned briefly about sort of the, the fashion input that you had, and fashion's clearly been something you've been interested in all your life. And Imagination had a look. Was that you or was that the label? It was never the label. The label. I was always fighting with the label. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. But no, I mean, I, I was lucky because one of my friends at the time was a fashion designer. And um, Morgan Kahn, who was the A&R. Oh, guy, yeah, yeah. Street Sounds in. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted, he was really behind us, like, pushing, you know, you've got to be different, you've got to be out there. You've got three minutes on TV, boom, 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 boom. So um, we came from a new wave. The new wave had, like, erupted. But I came from, a, like, a soul scene, a complete soul scene. You go to the clubs, you'd be wearing green trousers. You, would, you know, everybody had different looks. It was always about the look. Mm. So we just extended that club look and took it onto to the to the TV screens, mm. you know, on that level. While outside of London, they weren't doing that. So all of a sudden, you saw everybody dressing like Lee John with the glitter head the headbands, yeah, you know, um, and what have you. And by the end of um, Top of the Pops of that year, nineteen eighty one, everybody was on the dance floor, was looking like Imagination. But there's an also interesting thing when we went on Top of the Pops. I had all my crew with me. They were all with me in the audience. My friends from school who are still with me now, they were in the audience because they came to support us and they were making noise. And the studio floor managers didn't want them to make noise because it was all canned. <laughs> right, yeah. And they were all, you know, you always see these mopey kind of girls sitting there, oh, we're going to look like, you know, because they were like, not, they're supposed to like, look, they were also, and I think, gormless. Like, they were like, you know, it was because the studio managers wouldn't let them do... Told me it was... Yeah, you know, that's it. You'd like to be like there when you're... And I thought it was awful. So I'd let... So we'd do our thing and everyone's like <laughs> doing their thing with us. And then they couldn't stop us. They would, you know, before they were saying, oh, you know. And then gradually Flip Colby told, I think, um, the, the producers, look, you've got to get people moving and, and vibing. And, you know, because they were what they were doing, they were getting Ruby Flipper and because they had fans people before... And they said, if you've got everyone dancing with them, then it makes it a lot more visual. So all of a sudden, because of imagination, the whole visual context of the BBC Top of the Pop show changed. changed. And then you saw everyone was dressing. You saw the dancers dressing. You saw everybody looking like how we look. So it's visual all of a sudden. Yeah, visual, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that uh, I know because Michael Hurt's on. And so therefore, every time we had a video, he would just put it in the countdown, but he wanted us on the show. That was the thing. He wanted us on the show because he didn't get viewers. Of course. I remember those little thumbnails now. As they counted down the chart, you get a flash of 30, 40, and you get a thumbnail of yeah. the artist. Wouldn't you? And yeah. of course, you came up in your glitter outfit suddenly, and it's just like, well, that's imagination. We know who you are. But I do remember, <laughs> now you mentioned it, there was 
almost that turning point when suddenly all the kids in the audience were coming dressed like Imagine exactly. There was, there was colour exactly. and sparkles in the audience, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. If you, if you look at all the, through the months, especially 1981, you'll see people at the beginning very drab. Mm-hmm. By the time we, onto the third single flashback, I remember I was coming from the audience because I was, you know, by this time, I wanted to make sure every time you know, we were doing the show that we, we had something new to yeah. offer. Something, you know, it became, you're trying to surpass yourself each time. And um, so I remember coming up the stairs for flashback. And when you look around, you're seeing everyone and they're looking like us. But it was great. It was, it was fun. And I'm, you know, it's, it's a memory for everyone. And I think that it was very innovative, but it wasn't, I mean, people like Jeffrey Daniels, who I know from Shalimar, he told me that he was, he, when he came over and he saw of that, and there, a lot of his friends were seeing what we were doing in the States and they wanted some of that. They were mm. interested in our style and stuff like that. But, you know, over here, people take it for granted, you know, but outside people kind of always say, wow, what are you doing? You know, the music, the look, wow, you know, you've got it all together. And um, which was to me a very important thing to have the whole thing together. And one area that I don't think I've heard anyone give you enough credit for, it's your album art. The album art then, those big albums was gorgeous. It was, it was lovely. I mean, I've got a few of the original albums still in the collection. And just looking back at them, they were, you know, who, who conceptualised it? Is that again you? Do some, you have an idea? Some of them I, some of them I hated. <laughs> the first <laughs> album I hated, I really hated because the photographer didn't light us properly and um, we didn't get a proper choice of the pictures. But, you know, there was going to be the piano shot, it's going to be very mm. classic. Then, he, he, you know, we were messing about with what we were wearing and all that kind of stuff and bam, that became the back of the cover and everything, wow. And then with the Heat of the Night album, the theme was obviously taken from um, Spartacus and the Roman thing, you know, and everybody was into what thing are you going to do next? And I was kind of in a compromising scenario and I said, okay, you know, I'll go with it. And then um, we got the outfit designed and I hated mine because uh, I have skinny legs and they always wanted, <laughs> wanted to see my legs all the time. It became a big thing. You know, it's, it's about the music, not my legs. And this woman, <laughs> she designed this costume and it looked like I had a micro mini Roman whatever. And I was, and the, the, the chain mail or whatever it's supposed to be was yeah, itchy. Yeah, yeah. It was the most awful costume I ever had. And I performed on it. Um, when we, we did like eight shows, seven nights at the Dominion Theatre. And Top of the Pops requested us to come on to do In the Heat of the Night. And I had to wear that outfit. And I'm singing it and you see me with all this big hair. And I'm really uncomfortable, you know. <laughs> so sometimes it was, even though it may have had a great look visually. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, I, that? I, I didn't have to wear it. It's exactly. good. I can just look at you. That's fine by me. <laughs> let's, let's wind it forward then, because you're super busy now. And uh, I know where, as we're recording this, you're about to do a Pride event in Hastings. I'm doing Pride in Hastings That's on right. Sunday. It's going to be lots of fun. I mean, th- when this goes out, it'll be just after it. But uh, you've been, as you, we talked about the Grillers early on, you've been doing concerts oh, with them gosh, as well. Oh, gosh, that was really fantastic. I mean, that's why I had to get away for a rest. <laughs> it was like we did um, the O2 Arena um, Tuesday before last and Wednesday before last. And that was 20,000 people, I think, each show. And then we did Broadmasters in mm. Cornwall, and that was 50,000 people plus. They said 50,000, but it was a lot more than that. It was like seeing the whole earth come alive. And when I came on to do The Lost Chord, it was like, um, you know, it's, it's really, I'm thinking about it now. It was, I loved the arena, to arena, but it was like, 
you know, because they see the video behind me because I'm I'm dressed up as um uh, Poseidon. I'm the keeper of the sea. I'm 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 basically protecting the sea from man who's wounded with the uh, trash and, and 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 all the rubbish and stuff. So that's my my um I'm the protector. So all of a sudden they're looking and they're seeing the lost cord, and then all of a sudden I'm saying, you know, yes, I get my mind. All of a sudden I do that, and everybody goes, wow, you know, it's like, oh my god, it's like it was it was it was um. A euphoric experience, you know, and Damon and his team, Jamie, who's involved with all the film stuff, they are great people. They are so creative and very, very giving. And it's like, you know, you know, it's like we're friends for a long time. And, um, you know, they're, they're very, very good. I've just done that. Um, prior to that, I've just done a track with William Auburn, uh, Auburn, I'm saying William Orbit, William Orbit, sorry, um, for his album. And uh, we're just waiting for the mix of that. And then I did another track for the violin players, I don't know if you know, called Bond. Right. And I've taken a classical piece from Rimsky Kosakov Shahrazad. And I wrote uh, a melody and a lyric. And we took it like a sample of it and created it called Land of a Thousand, Land of a Thousand Dreams. And it has kind of an imagination sensibility about it. But it's just, it brings you in. It's just really beautiful. And um, so William's producing that as well. And then um, there was a number one solo artist. That, was it two years ago, I think? Rob, Rob Scott. He had a big solo album out. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good film. We became really good friends. We have the same sort of humor. And, uh, and actually, he's in Spain right now. And I've done a track for him, um, which is called God, I guess I should play you a bit of it. Can I play yeah, something? I'd love it, please. I least if I can find it. It's, it's, it's supposed to be coming out on a label. And then I've also done, well, I'll, I'll see if I can. And then I've also got a track with Jorge Bocillo, who is a two-time Grammy Award-winning artist. Yes, I've heard him. He's very, very, very good. And a track called Solitude, which I had on my Retrover album, but decided to do a different version with him. And we did, uh, we did a, uh, a video. Um, I'm looking here. And, I, and then we got the 40th anniversary of Imagination box set, which we're trying to sort out as we speak. And then you're um, touring next year, I assume, for the 40th, are you? Yeah. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I was having a, meeting, a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings about that. Um, and got new agents and people involved and, and stuff. Um, and Oh, yes, I've also done a track with this French band, beautiful song called Garden of Love. And, and... The cherry um, on the cake. Drum roll here. Done, <laughs> I have done a track with Plastic Bertrand. You know Plastic Bertrand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, called Don't Stop. Actually, fact, I'll play you that. It's not released yet. He did a version on his album. So I've been, you know... Uh, oh, yes, and I've done a, a smooth jazz album with Bouchard who is part of Shack Attack, and we're playing together at the Isha Theatre um, next week. So no, shine, no signs of... Sh- I'm going to try this one again. No signs of slowing up then. No I got way. in the end. No way. <laughs> no way. I mean, the album with Bill is really great. I mean, I've, I've known... Bill and I had the same... Well, Shack Attack and I have had um, the same uh, management... Management, yeah. Point. So it's, it's just been... It was like, you know, and again, your careers run in parallel for many years, haven't they? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So, and they're, they're great musicians. And, um, so I've got that, that track's got, uh, Mark King's playing on, on a track on that. Uh, and, um, some people from Mesoforte, I believe. And then, 
uh, I was supposed to have done an acoustic Lee album with some of my jazz things because mm-hmm. uh, my jazz albums had great followings. Really. Yeah, well, I'm sure you're playing that on the show this week. Yeah, I mean, Through My Soul has taken me, which is jazz albums, took me into a completely different level. In actual fact, with the 606 Club, um, Mike Lindup and I, I went over to, to, to see him there because we, we recorded Mike Lindup from Love Boy 2, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Stevie Wonder's Visions, which is on the Retropia album. So, um, in return, he came to my show and, and did, you know, something about you and visions with me. And I think he's going to do it when I'm at the Jazz Cafe in September the 25th. And I should have all my dates on my website. website. Yep. I was looking um, at the website early on. on. There. So, yeah, so um, there's a lot of products, a lot of different things. Plus, I've been working on the flashback film, which is the history of UK black music for the last God knows how many years now. And we're close to finishing it um, due to COVID and so many other difficulties. I had to kind of pause a bit, but we have over 100 interviews, over 400, no, over 700, 800 hours. And it Will that starts- be a general release or a specialist release kind of, or does it go to Netflix or... It will probably go to something like a Netflix. We're, we're in negotiations as we speak. Um, uh, we have distribution, loads of distribution interest. It's not even finished yet. Mm-hmm. Basically, the whole timeline's done. It's, it starts from the classical period of, of British, Mac, British black music coming to the UK. Your turn now. <laughs> all the way, <laughs> it's catching. all the way through to 21st century. So, um, Obviously, one of the biggest periods was the 80s mm. when British black music really exploded around the world internationally. So um, there's so many different artists that we've interviewed and some of them, unfortunately, are not with us, including those DJs. Well, again, I was going to say that explosion of black music was uh, no small part due to the, the land-based London pirates of the day. I mean, they were playing black music when no one else would, you know, the, the commercial stations. And I know you guys, a lot of you guys there were very much behind the, the, the pirates. Oh, but, yeah. Because the exposure. The Dave, was it um, Radio Orwell, I remember. <laughs> Dave Brown. Dave Brown. Yeah. Had jingles for Dave Brown and Radio Orwell and Radio Medway. Um, there was loads. And, well, it would have been a big thing. It would have been Solar, LWR, Horizon. They all that's playing right. the music. Uh, that's right. I was very, very much behind the pirates, you know, um, in every generation. Because even in the 70s, there was um, mm. reggae time with Steve Barnard, I remember. Mm. And then did Rod- Rodrigo, Rodriguez, yeah, yeah, that. So you know, um, and then when it came into the eighties, well, let's say the eighties, um, when Kiss FM down Holloway Road, and uh, you know, I gave um, oh Christ, Trevor Nelson one of his first. He's related to me on my father's side, whatever from Saint Lucia. So I gave him an interview, and it was quite, I think it was one of the first stars of the time, artists of the time that he had interviewed. And I went up in this warehouse in the top of someplace in Camden <laughs> and did this interview with him, my top 10 or something like that. It was a, it was a good experience, but I was always been supportive of that. And, um, you know, subsequently, you know, there's still, I still know a lot of these guys, you know. And it's just great. I mean, it doesn't sound like there's any signs of Lee John slowing down. I don't think it's in your DNA, is it? No, a I mean, Lee John, I, I can't imagine. No, I've, I've, I've produced and directed a film about St. Lucia, 30 minute film of St. Lucia. I'm in an exhibition September 9th, um, in Prince Charles Theatre, Prince Charles Theatre, I think, yeah, in London. Uh, Police and Thieves is called, which I had done a couple of years back. It was number one in the reggae chart, produced by myself and Dennis Bavel. 
So he gave it that real dub sound. And I decided to do a short film um, about people's life stories in the community of London and certain other areas. And so I put that together. It's very uplifting. Mm-hmm. So that's part of an exhibition. Um, flashback I have to finish. And then uh, we're looking, it's getting close to the book time. So I'm not going to say anything yet, but it's getting close to that. Um, and obviously recently my best mate, Leroy Logan, wrote his book, Closing Ranks. Yeah, yeah. And it's about his life in the police force, especially in the 1980s. And uh, I'm in the book, but then subsequently, Steve McQueen thought it was good enough to be part of the Small Axe series. And in episode three called Red, White and Blue, you can see it on Prime, uh, there's a uh, John Boyega, Star Wars fame, playing Leroy Logan, and Tyrone Huntley playing Lee John. <laughs> so I've been portrayed in this film, so... That's how far you can go. <laughs> exactly. When someone's playing you, suddenly you know you've arrived, don't you? Well, yeah, my God, you know. But I'm going to play you. I was trying to find the other one. Um... should have been out earlier but we're looking at getting some mixes and uh i'm not sure what the label is yet there was there's a label that's interested in that um but i've also got a track right here i'm think let me see if i can find this this is fresh this is fresh from um you know victor simonelli yes i did this thing with him and it was ages and i thought and there was you know when a mix is not all that good you think mm, uh <laughs> what's going on and, um, and I, you know, I, I kind of threw the book at him and said, I, you know, I can't believe this. Oh, you know, it's like, what is this? You know, and then, um, he's come back and with a winner. You actually look like you've been in a te- television series. I was looking at him thinking like, hmm. I'm sure that's people have said that to you. Before. I'd love no. I'd love to say speak to my agent. I haven't got one. If you want to be my agent, <laughs> you can take a handsome twenty percent of all my earnings from here on in. <laughs> if there's a demographic that would employ me, I am available. Yeah, you have that character look. 
Oh. Yeah, but what sort of character? <laughs> <laughs> a, rep- a, rep- a reprobate or a criminal or somebody that you'd really want to walk over the other side of the street from? <laughs> you could have been the EastEnders. You could have been the EastEnders. There you go. I've got, I've got some... I'll take that. I've got some East End blood in me, so... There you go. Some East... Jewish East Enders in my blood, so... There you go. There... Well, I was born in Hackney Hospitals. So... There you go. Yeah, I think my dad was born somewhere near Hackney, actually. So there you go. That's as, that's as close as we get in that seven-circle thingy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a North Londoner down the road from the Arsenal. I can do me London. I can do me London, but I don't often bring it out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so there you go. I think we're more or less up to date with everything that Lee's been up to, past, present and future. And uh, no signs of slowing up, as we said. Lee, I don't know how to thank you. It's been an absolute blast. I didn't think you'd be the shy, retiring sort. And indeed, uh, you weren't. It's been a... Oh, I had my moments, believe me. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be like this every moment, every day, you know. I rather, uh, some, to be honest with you, when I have my, my mates around, they take the, they take center stage. I, I let them do it, you know. I said, I'm getting paid for it, so they couldn't get on. You get up with an angry head, the same as when you went to bed. You give me grief when I'm not on time When it's you, everything is fine You tell your friends what we did last night I don't mind, but please tell it right You spend more time on your hair and face Than cleaning up this goddamn place Then you get your mood You say I don't care about you What else can I do? Understand your ways, you got it in your head. If I ain't there, I'm with someone else. All the things you say keep on pushing me away. First you say I do, then I don't. Then you say I will, then I won't. It's a thin line and I'm trying, but there ain't no pleasing you. Then you say I'm right. Then I'm wrong Then you say I'm weak Then I'm strong I'm so tired and divided Ain't no pleasing you Pleasing you If I get home it's late Where you been? I think there she goes again She starts about the bills and the kids How she has no time for herself Well, I've been out there working hard Slaving like a dog I've given her a house and a car I ask myself, what am I doing this for? Then she gets a move Saying I don't give a damn What else can I do? What about me and how I feel Saying what is the big deal I'm living in a house that ain't no home I can't take this anymore First you say I do and then I don't Then you say I will then I won't It's a thin line and I'm trying There ain't no pleasing you Then you 
say I'm right, then I'm wrong. Then you say I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm so tired and divided. Ain't no pleasing Ahead with the 606 Club and David Lewis. No one else could love you more 
Just tracking back a moment, we finished off our interview with Lee with another track from the album Feel My Soul, and we listened to Thin Line. And if I just go back to that version that he did of Someone to Watch Over Me, what a beautiful, beautiful version that was, really highlighting the sensuality of Lee's voice. Lee, thanks so much for coming on the show, and hopefully, yes, we will catch up sometime. And if I ever get my gig on EastEnders, I'll be sure to send you the check. Uh, and somebody that you can see with us at the club this coming Saturday. It's also going to be a live stream. We just listened to Georgina Jackson, again, a very talented, wonderful entertainer. So if you're around and can get down to the club, you are going to have a fantastic Saturday evening with Georgina down there. Let's carry on now, though, with something from the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra, Yes or No.
Yes or No is a track from the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra featuring Alan Koska and Joe Locke. And in fact, they are celebrating their 25th anniversary this year and they're doing it in style with a return to live performance. And uh, they're doing it at the Queen's Hall in Edinburgh on Friday, the 24th of September. You'll be able to find the details online at the uh, Scottish National Jazz Orchestra's website. You heard Lee talking about the gigs that he uh, performed with the Gorillas. Here is a track of the two of them together. This is The Lost Chord.
probably one of the more diversified shows that we've had. Uh, we've had music from the David Gordon Trio, Claire Martin, Hannah Horton. Uh, then you go to the Imagination and the Grillers, as you do, and uh, all segue to a little bit of the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra as well. So I hope you enjoyed the show this week. And I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you to Archie, who arranged the interview with Lee for me. And uh, also, of course, to Lee himself. We had an absolute riot on the interview. I'm hoping it came across on what you heard. Some of it had to end up on the cutting room floor. We were on our Zoom call for well over an hour. But uh, if you want to listen to the interview all over again, it's over on Mixcloud. So you can enjoy it time and time and time again. Thank you for joining me this week. We will, of course, be back at the same time next week. We've got loads of great guests lined up for you over the next few weeks and months here on the show. And I'm going to finish up with somebody else I'm going to be recording an interview with, actually. Lauren Bush has got a brand new album coming out. Uh, the album is called Dream Away. And we're going to finish on this week's show with a track from that album called You Stepped Out of a Dream. Have yourself a great week and I'll be here at the same time with more jazz and conversation. You stepped out of a dream You are too wonderful to be what you seem Could there be eyes like yours? Could there be lips like yours? Could there be smiles like yours? of a cloud I want to take you away away from the crowd and have you all to myself alone and apart out of a dream safe in my heart
of a dream You are too wonderful to be what you seem Could there be eyes like yours? Could there be lips like yours? Could there be smiles like yours? Honest and truly You stepped out of a cloud I want to take you away, away from the crowd 